I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode of Rebel Radio is brought to you by Honda Financial Services. To all you college grads out there, this is your time, and Honda's here to help you get going. You can save $500 off any 2016 or newer Honda vehicle. Check out hondafinancialservices.com to learn more. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back and uh, welcome to a very special edition Rebel Radio Live. We're sharing with you our first ever live event taped here in Los Angeles a few weeks back in partnership with Honda Financial Services. Check out our sponsor, hondafinancialservices.com. Uh, they helped us host a special live event for fans. We had uh, all kind of cool giveaways. Somebody walked away with an Apple Watch, an Amazon Echo, as well as free mentoring sessions from our guest speaker, who I'll tell you about in a minute. But we also treated fans to free food from the Soul Sausage Truck, free beer and wine from Qingdao and Carnivore, and most importantly, a great talk from Jennifer Cushell. She's the author of a New York Times bestseller called Secrets of the Young and Successful. She's also the owner of YSN.com, which provides resources and career advice to young professionals. And she's just, she's a badass. She's a Cosmopolitan Magazine, called her a career doctor. U.S. News and World Report called her a guru of her generation. And she came with tons of great stories, great advice, really for anybody starting out in their careers, especially those of us who are trying to build careers in uh, culture and creativity. She's got some awesome lessons there. So she's gonna tell us about her journey, including writing her first book at 24, and then almost going bankrupt, and then rebuilding, and working with uh, leading brands like Subway and Bloomberg. She's got some great lessons for us. First of all, make your own rules instead of living for other people. She's gonna tell us about how she's done that. 
and also how to how to understand your value that you bring to the table for uh, for employers. So we're gonna get into all that with this live event right after our EDM.com track of the week. was the edm.com track of the week creature and the human experience that's creature with a three k-r-3-t-u-r-e the track's called a little deeper i hope you love that and i hope you love this interview live with jennifer kushell hey thanks for coming welcome to our first rebel radio live event live taping Pause for applause. Hey, before we get started, uh, I have a couple announcements. Shout out to our partners. First of all, Honda Financial Services for making this evening possible. This is the Grads to the Grind event brought to you by Honda Financial Services. If there are any college grads in the audience, this is your time, and Honda's here to help you get going. You can save $500 on any 2016 or newer Honda vehicle. Check out hondafinancialservices.com. And we've got some giveaways for those of you in the room that I'll tell you about at the end of the show. So pay attention. Also, a uh, quick shout out to Qingdao Beer, to Carnivore Wine, to the Soul Sausage Truck, and to Control Collective, if you haven't noticed, this beautiful space that they've given us. Uh, we love it here. Big thanks. The biggest shout out to uh, my guest tonight, Jennifer Cushell, who is um, a genius at what she does. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, I'm going to embarrass you for a minute with some of your um, accomplishments, and then we're going to let you talk because you have much better things to say. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm not that smart, so I use notes. Um, you know, when I started the show, the theme was uh, low expectations. And so now, I think we're, as of tonight, the theme is um, know your limitations. So I'm going to work on that. And mine is remembering stuff. So I write it down. But you, of course, have no notes because you don't need that. But, um, but I'm excited to have you because, you know, this show is about... Um, entrepreneurship in culture. And a lot of the guests I've had are DJs, they're graffiti artists, they're streetwear designers, they're, they're you know, 
street culture people because that's what I'm into and kind of how I live my life. And so, but the, the theme is for all those people, no matter what business you're in, you've got to figure out how to manage your career and your business. And, uh, and that's what you do is you help people and companies understand how the world of work is changing and how to have a career that makes sense in this crazy world. Um, and so I appreciate all of you coming out to get smarter and to take time away from um, a really uh, sad tragedy that Brad and Angelina <laughs> broke up on this day. And the fact that you're here and not glued to your Twitter feed is um, testament to what we've got going. So. Thank you uh, so, for being here. <laughs> so Jennifer, so you're the author of a New York Times bestseller, Secrets of the Young and Successful. And uh, just to run through you know, some of the stuff you're doing, and then, and then I kind of want to hear about how you're doing all this and, and how it even happens. Can I just tell one quick story? Yeah. Since well. just to honor our host tonight, um, uh -oh. I just want to tell a quick story. I was so excited when I got the call to be a part of this and that Honda Financial was supporting because can I tell you one of my best memories being a kid growing up was when my dad told me one day that he was going to let me drive right before I got my, um, my driver's permit. And he said, we're going to go downstairs and I'll let you drive. And I got all excited because it didn't get to happen very often. And I went downstairs and in front of the driveway was a brand new Honda Accord hatchback with a big giant bow around it. And he said, you're going to have to earn this. <laughs> nice. It's going to sit on the driveway and I'm going to watch you for the next few months. And this will be yours if you are a good girl and do your, you know, get your grades and everything. So I have a, a particular fondness for, for Honda because I drove one through my most formative years and um, had such a great, have so many great memories of spring break in Palm Springs and the Beastie Boys like cassette tapes melting on my dashboard <laughs> in, in 120 degrees. So I thank you all so much for supporting this and everyone for coming out. And Josh, we've been friends for a long time and I'm, I'm really honored to be here. So thank you. That is the best product placement I think I've ever heard. <laughs> So okay, let's get into it. So, so besides the book, you're the force behind Exploring Your Potential, which we're going to learn about, um, the Subway Global Challenge, which I just learned about, uh, which I thought was fascinating. You're a member of the UN Sustainable Development Committee. And um, US News and World Report called you a guru, which is pretty awesome. And, uh, and as a, if I understand correctly, you wrote your first book at 19. Mm -hmm. Sorry, started your first business at 19, mm -hmm. wrote your first book at 24. First business at 13, fifth oh business goodness. at 19. Okay. <laughs> I got really bored being a young kid trying to fit into everyone else's expectations of what I should be. And yeah. entrepreneurship was kind of my path to do my own thing and make my own rules. So I started doing little things when I was 13, 15, 17, and then by the time I was 19, that's when we started the Young Entrepreneurs Network. What was the business at 13? It was just painting t-shirts. Okay. Yeah, I painted t-shirts and I sold them yeah. and did gift baskets and safety seminars and all sorts of little things. But it just, it, you know, I had crazy ADD, so I had to have a lot of stuff going on all the time. And I just got bored by the stuff my friends were doing all the time. And I got tired of trying to fit in all the time. I wanted to do my own thing. And adults, I always got along with so much better. And it, they, they really celebrated the stuff I was doing. And my friends just kind of left me alone. And I got to avoid peer pressure by being an entrepreneur. Nice. <laughs> so. 
And so, and, and so then at, at 19, you started a, a real business. Yeah, well, 19, I was in college, and we, I was looking around and saying, why is it everyone's just patting me on the head as an entrepreneur and telling me how cute I am? And I'm really, I'm going to events, and I'm doing things, and I've actually started a few little ventures. I want to be treated seriously. And getting credibility and respect when you're in your teens, let alone, you know, 20s, it's really tough, uh, especially when you're going out to start a business. So um, I, we started, on, you know, it was a while ago. We started on CompuServe. <laughs> so embarrassed to say. Um, but I got to tell that story in Kenya last year with Steve Case on a panel. So I, that like redeemed me getting old. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we started early, early in the internet on CompuServe and built the first online network for young entrepreneurs in 1993. I know. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm in, I'm in my you know, college apartment, my first apartment with my dot matrix printer. And this like, I had the systems operations manual from AOL that was taught you how to run an online community. You know, right now you go to Facebook and two clicks, you own a sure. group. <laughs> no. So yeah, it took us all this. Not so easy back then. Yeah, it's not, not so easy. Um, but yeah, before we knew it, we had members in 75 countries. And I had to go and look up countries like the Republic of Benin in Africa and find out where, you know, these people were. So, so go back to that. When you're starting that business, like, did you know that this was... Did you, like, did you have it kind of figured out, what your goals were? Did you know that that was going to work? I, I didn't know it was going to work, but it was cooler than any of the homework I had to do. Yeah. So, and being a procrastinator and someone who never turned in their homework, you know, it was more interesting to run a business than to do statistics. And what were you thinking was going to happen? I just, I kind of just followed what I was watching. I, I mean, I had a lot of friends from different countries in BU. I was at Boston University. And a lot of my friends I found out years later, I was their first English-speaking friend. Because mm. they were all coming over studying ESL, studying TOEFL. You know, they were watching Star Trek trying to learn English. And, 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 and you know, yeah. So, so, and a lot of them were entrepreneurs. And a lot of them were having the same exact issues that I was about being taken seriously. And so we all started talking and I thought, why don't we create like this club? And the club and the events at school, we did an event at school that was really very similar to this. And, and then we started getting media attention and then someone asked me to write a book and all this stuff just started snowballing. I was asked to go speak in schools and then a, a few years later got out, got asked, I started getting paid to speak in schools and then got paid more to speak for companies, and it was like, huh, I can do this instead of get a job? That's awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, so I'm always interested in that moment when you, know, you strike out and you try to do something, and you realize that it's working. Yeah. I think, I think actually, you, know, you mentioned a quote, which is really old, but when US News called me the guru, I was, I was 21. I think, 22, 23, I don't know. But I mean, 21 years old, I got this article in Entrepreneur Magazine. And people, you know, my, fam my family's calling me and everyone's calling me and everything. And they're t calling me an expert. And then US News came out and called me a guru. And it was like, wait a minute, this was a major, major media publication. And I realized that when I'd walk into rooms and walk into boardrooms and I'd go to, you know, meet with the executives of Business Week, they would like crowd the room to listen to me. And I thought, this is so strange. I'm, my friends don't listen to me, but these guys are. And so I realized that I was kind of hitting on something. And by listening to all my friends from all the different countries and hearing their stories and having them like literally cry on my couch about how no one understood them 
and they were different and they had all these ideas. And they would come to me and talk to me and I, you know, spend hours. So I started repeating those stories and people were fascinated because a lot of people identified with it. And then when the media heard about it, they said, oh, a lot of our readers would identify with it. And before you know it, I'm in front of hundreds of millions of people in the press. And, you know, what, it just went what, from What does there. that do to you at, at that stage of your life? It, it was a whirlwind, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, too. You know, it's taken me a long time to figure out how to do social impact and make money. So for anyone interested in that, you're so lucky because right now it's such an awesome time to do it because people get it now or they're starting to get it. But it was really hard to be an entrepreneur and young. It was hard to be young and in business. And it was really, really hard to try to do something for the world and not be a nonprofit. And it's taken a long, long time for the world to come around and realize that you can do well and do good in a business. And people are now supporting people like me and people like you guys. I literally was in San Francisco last week at the Social Capital Conference, and I'm talking to like the Gates Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, huge, huge company, oh, companies and organizations that give billions of dollars to solving problems in the world, and they're actually supporting social entrepreneurs now, which is so amazing. And tonight, I get to go and see one of them in Haiti. And I'll be in Haiti tomorrow and with a social entrepreneur who has a cut fruit business and is employing people in her community and putting them to work as entrepreneurs. And it's just so awesome. So I, it just has snowballed over the years and I just yeah. kept going and I haven't stopped now in 20 something years. So talk about that a little bit. I know in your writing you talk about the new world of work. Yeah. And, uh, and as you mentioned, social entrepreneurship is a thing that, you know, is, is new to, yeah. to the world of business, right, as, as, a, as a track that people could follow. And so when, when you talk about this new world, and, you know, especially if we think about people coming out of college now, like, what are, what are they facing? I think, you know, we've we seen the news headlines yeah. about unemployment, about whatever. Obviously, we're in a place that these kinds of facilities didn't exist. But, but what is that new world? How would you define it? It's, this is such an awesome conversation, and I'm so glad we're having it here. And I hope you go home and tell your friends and your family and everyone you know about this, that the world is not falling apart. We don't have to make ourselves great again right now. We are at one of the most beautiful times in the world to be successful to come into our own, to be our own people, to build projects and organizations and businesses, and even affect global impact. And young people everywhere are doing that now. And we have the platform. We have the possibilities and the opportunities. So I, I think we should be embarrassed if we're not doing things with our lives right now. But this really echoes, you know, I haven't been very, very public in the media in a few years. And last time I did it, I got in front of 300 million people complaining about why they were saying young people were worthless. Mm. And it was like, whoa, no, that's not true. And now I want to step up again and say, no, the world is not falling apart. Unemployment is not a disaster. There is a whole new world of work emerging right now. Opportunity is everywhere that we look, everywhere we look. But our filter is off. Career planning is a disaster globally. I'm sorry to say it. I don't say it that often. But we're using models to be trained about careers with a 40-year-old system. You used to go to school, get a degree, hopefully meet the person you were going to marry, and then you'd get a job and stay there for 30 or 40 years. You get the gold watch, and you're done. That is not the world anymore. 
Right now, the average young person will have, what, they, if 10 years ago, they'd have eight to 10 jobs by the time they were 30. Now they'll have up to 20 in some cases. Wow. A lot of people don't even want a job. A lot of people don't want to work for a big company. A lot of people want to you know, be in a startup. So many things are changing right now, but the opportunities are just vast. And so what we're trying to do right now is spend a lot of time to, art to tell this story, but then also give people the tools and the information that they need to filter the world differently, to see opportunity and learn how to fish in this new world. Because we are part of a global workforce. There are a billion and a half young people entering the world right now. And if we focus on us being talent just in Los Angeles, shame on us for being so limited in our thinking. If we think that there's no opportunity in the industry that we're interested in, shame on us for not realizing there are thousands of other industries. There are so many possibilities. There's employment, there's entrepreneurship, and there's everything in between. And you think about even all the Uber and the, you know, mm -hmm. um, the Air, Airbnbs and all these companies, this has given rise to a whole new trend called the, the alternative workforce. A lot of people even work for it, or you have friends and family who work for it. But the net new job growth is not only coming from small businesses with under 20 employees, but also from this new alternative economy, which means that people who are piecemealing opportunities together to create work and revenue, that's where most of the new jobs are coming. And that's really interesting. Because then you start thinking about these people and these friends that you hate who go off to Bali and start working on a beach. And you're like, how are you in Bali and I'm in a cubicle? But that's actually possible now. And it's because we're being more entrepreneurial with our careers. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to start a business. But you can be more entrepreneurial about your opportunities. And I always say, think like an economist and act like an entrepreneur, and you can make pretty much anything happen. So take us into that. What, what does that mean? If I'm, if I'm coming out of college today, and, and you tell me to think like an economist and act like an entrepreneur, what am I supposed to do? What that means is really think about what it is that you love, what you're passionate about, what you're excited about. Don't filter yourself too much. Really tap into what you love, because you've got to have fire to go out and be successful. So find the stuff that you love, and then be an economist. Look at that field. Look at that industry. Look at the companies in it. Create a map of your universe. Look at the trends. See what's happening. See who's making money. See what's working, what's not. So if you just think analytically about the field that you're interested in, maybe there's not even a job for you right now, but maybe there's something missing. Maybe there's a product or a service or a trend that's emerging that no one understands. Maybe you can become an expert on that trend and go tell the world about it. I got to do it with youth entrepreneurship. I'm doing it around the global workforce. Who the hell am I to talk about this stuff? But no one else was doing it. And I was so upset about that. And I was so excited to, to, to talk about it that I just kind of became that person. And now I get to be here. And I get to go to Haiti. And I get to go to all these places and do cool stuff. And so I'm always going everywhere I possibly can to tell this story because I think this information is transformative. You do not have to struggle. You don't have to struggle to make money. You don't have to struggle to do work you don't love. You can make anything possible. Today, it, it is. It just really is. And that's why it just frustrates me beyond words when I see people who are struggling or sad or depressed about opportunity because they're just not using the right filter. So I, I want to go back to you for a minute, um, and, and it, you know it sounds like you you hit some momentum pretty quickly, yeah. right? And obviously you struck a chord with what was happening 
in the world around you. Um, but t tell us about kind of what you learned along the way, and specifically, what was like the first big roadblock that you ran into and realized that you had to do something different? Well, I, the biggest roadblock has always been cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, candidly. I didn't know how to make money talking about this. Everyone thinks you're on television and it's exciting and you must be a millionaire. No, <laughs> you know, no. You write a book, you're not a millionaire. Uh, it's like all the stuff I've done that's had the biggest impact in the world, I've made nothing from. And if anything, I've actually struggled like crazy for. Mm. It's the stuff that's not so sexy that has made the most money. Up until more recent years, like Subway Global Challenge. Like, we've done some good, cool things now. I yeah, figured it out. Tell us about that project. Right. It took forever. But, yeah, talk about, you know, relationships. You know, everyone says relationships are everything. They absolutely are. I had one of, I had some really unbelievable mentors growing up. And one of the, one of the really random things that happened is, you know, I used to go to my family's business conferences. Or it wasn't my choice. They just, that was our faux vacation, you know? Mm. And I thought everyone's father was gone in the middle of the day. And I thought everyone went to cocktail parties, like, at night. And, but I got to see a world that I didn't really understand what it was until I was 15. And I was in the franchise industry. And I was at the bar one night, 15, with the people from Entrepreneur Magazine talking. And, and I knew how to conduct myself at this point, because that was normal for us. And I, you know, I started, I, I, well, what happened? Um, I'm at dinner one night. This is a great story. I, and I'll, I'll get to the subway thing. Go for <laughs> but it. I'm at dinner one night with my family. And I mean, they were in business, you know? So entrepreneurs often come from entrepreneurial families. Same thing with me. So I'm at this conference, and I'm sitting at dinner one night, and I'm at the t end of the table with all the women, because they used to separate the women and the men you know, <laughs> at dinners. And um, this, I, I said to the wife, you know, Zenda, does Frank, your husband, work for Pizza Hut? He keeps talking about it. And she, said, she started laughing, and she said, oh, no, sweetie, he started it. And, and I'm 15, and I'm looking at this man totally differently, saying, this is crazy. And she said, you know, he was only a few years older than you. And it was like the cosmos parted and my whole life just opened up in a whole different way. She said, and a lot of other big businesses, some of the biggest brands you know were started by young people, like wow. Subway, for example. And she told me that Fred DeLuca was 17 when he started Subway. Oh, wow. I almost died. And the next morning, I, I got dressed. I put on the nicest clothes I had, which wasn't anything special. And I went hunting through this conference for Fred DeLuca. And I found him. And it, it took me a little while, but I found him. And I sat down, and I probably like gushed to him. And being 15, and everyone else was older and dying to you know, have a piece of him, he was just curious about me. And mm. we built this great relationship. And we spent 27 years as friends until, unfortunately, we lost him last year. Um, but Fred gave me an opportunity when I was in my 20s. I said, you know, you got to come speak in my school. <laughs> Like, I don't like doing speaking engagements. He said, but you've got to tell your story. No one knows you were 17. And, and he said, but, but maybe I'll do a radio thing or a video. I'm like, I don't want a video. I want to do something that tells the story to a lot of people because young people are frustrated. They don't think there are possibilities. So he said, OK, I'll, I'll just do a video. So I said, all right, I'm going to send it to a lot of people. Will you pay for that? <laughs> he said, OK. Um, I, so I did this whole documentary thing, sent it to 2,000 schools in North America. So people started studying Subway as a case study. 
And then 10 years later, I got it. I was getting emails from people saying, I love the subway video. I've been using it in my school for a decade. Do you have something that's not VHS? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And so I sent it to Fred. I'm like, nice ROI, right? 10 years later, you know, I think he spent 100 grand. I'm like, 10 years later, they're still using the VHS copies we sent them. Wow. And he said, let's update it. And so I'm, you know, you talk about, you, you mentioned low expectations. I'm the polar opposite. I go for the highest expectations possible. And yeah. I figure even if you don't hit them, you go somewhere so much farther than where you expect it to be. And so I threw out this crazy idea and I said, we're going to do a documentary now and we're going to update it. We did literally a CNBC style quality video on Subway, interviewed 60 people from his wife who used to check the bread in the morning to the first employee, to the person who sketched the Subway sign, to the head of global logistics who buys, you know, 20 million pounds of turkey a year with commodities training. And we sent that, and he said, let's do it internationally. And my expertise is global marketing. So that was my opportunity to really show what I could do, right? Because everyone says, oh, focus locally. I'm like, no, I want to do global. So we sent that video out to 10,000 professors in 100 countries. And then it was like, OK, we need youth engagement. You know, and mm -hmm. I love doing marketing campaigns and stuff. So it was like, we got to get young people to like engage. If we put this into schools, that's awesome. They'll be studying it forever. But how do we get them to engage with the brand? So we did this thing called the Subway Global Challenge. And we built a business simulation game where you got to like pick where you wanted your subway in your local community. And, and then you had to build a sandwich and drive traffic on social media. And all this stuff happened. We got young people in 100 countries over a six-week period to play this game for six weeks. It was the first time in history anyone had done a 100-country youth engagement campaign. And we actually pulled it off. Everyone told us we were nuts. We did it with three, three to five people originally. And we did it. It's great. So I, That's awesome. I, you know, so as far as expectations go, I keep testing that concept. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy, the stuff you can do if yeah. you just really put everything you have into it. Well, it's funny you say that. You know, I always think that, uh, you know, especially young people, like, I always say, like, if I'd known how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have tried half the stuff yeah. that I've done in my life. Madonna said the same thing. See? <laughs> then, then I'm right. But we wouldn't have Madonna if she didn't try. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, there's something about youth that, like, you just kind of don't know any better, yeah. so you do it. That's why I think it's so important that you do this as soon as humanly possible. The minute that spark goes off, the minute you say, wow, there's a cool world out there. I can do stuff. Go do it. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to like sell everything you own. You don't have to become a minimalist necessarily. But get out there and try. And, and go as far as you possibly can. And if you're in college, you're so lucky because you can lose every single thing you own and make it up in a summer of work. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have anything. <laughs> no house, no mortgage, no right. kids, nothing. Like, as long as you're unencumbered, go do everything you can possibly do. Go travel, go, you know, live, live in a tent, go see 50 countries. Like, just put it out there. Try it. You have no idea what can happen. Hey, check it out. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Do you need a website? No, let me tell you, you do need a website. And you can do it yourself with Wix.com, no matter what business you're in. If you got a startup, your music career, your uh, earwax collection, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever it is, you need a website. 
And Wix is used by more than 84 million people worldwide. It makes it easy to get your website live today. You can spend time on your business. Don't spend time building your website. There's hundreds of designer-made templates to choose from. Use the drag-and-drop editor. You drop in your images, your videos, your copy. And next thing you know, you have a beautiful website that you built yourself. It's fast. It's easy. It's free. We did it with rebelradio.net. Check it out. And you can see the amazing work you can do with Wix.com. You're too busy with everything else. Stop worrying about your website. Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com. Create your own website today. Send it to us and we will promote it online. All right. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about maybe for those of us who aren't all that young, uh, how could we apply some of that? But, but, but also, you know, so I'm curious for, for people that are starting in work today, yeah. like what are the questions that they should be asking that they're not asking? Are they living them, their lives for them or for other people? Mm. That's a big one. A lot of people are living according to other people's expectations. That is extremely important as a question to ask all of ourselves. Um, a lot of people are putting aside things that really matter to them, uh, their values, their interests, their passions. I think that's super important to really pay attention to. The, the more you work, the more you acquire, the more money you make, the harder it is to go on your own. It's easier in the beginning. It gets harder over time. You know, you don't know when you're going to meet someone. You don't know if you're going to have kids. You don't know if you're going to get a big fancy job and then maybe get a nicer house or something. It gets harder and harder to pull away and be unencumbered and go and do stuff. And so I, I try to get people to do that fast, but also not make a, such a big deal out of things. It's actually kind of easy to get on a plane and go somewhere. Mm. You know? Like, if you really think about it, what are you going to be doing between now and Friday? Maybe go to Costco, maybe have drinks with friends. Like, I'm going to Haiti and coming back. I went to Hong Kong for dinner and came back in December. One night, 36 hours. You can do that. I'm tired already. I know, it's crazy. But no, but, it, but you know what? It makes me healthier because I'm like, sure. I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I've got to work out now. I've got to learn how to run, you know, through airports. And I've got to take <laughs> care of myself so I can do this. But I've gone to 50 countries now. 30 in the past five years since I got divorced. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just... So get divorced. No. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> Write that down. No, but I mean, the whole point is that, like, my life imploded five years ago. I had a beautiful office literally down the street on Beethoven. You know, we, we had built up this great company. We raised all this money. We were, like, on top of the world. And... Lehman Brothers crashed in the middle of us going public with all the you know, stuff we were doing. And everything collapsed. And people have challenges all the time. I mean, I, I try to be very subjective about challenges. You know, I didn't make yeah. any money for a very long time. But then also, I think about you know, what we went through. And then when I feel sad about myself or my own situation, I talk to someone in Haiti or in Afghanistan or in Cairo. And it's like, oh my god. Who am I to be talking about how mm. tough life is? I, I took on a foster kid a couple years ago, and I was like, he was born with brain damage by a prostitute and in a toilet. And the poor kid was abused his whole entire lives. And I was like, oh my God, 
Who would be there for me? And who am I to be complaining about anything in my life? I got an education. I had a family who loved me. I had opportunity. I have opportunity. Yeah. Pick yourself up and go do something. If I can't make it out of a bad situation, shame on me. That's my fault. Mm. It's not my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's, you know, that's the other thing. I think context is really important. Absolutely. I think it's super important that we change our, our comfort zone. We step outside of it constantly and we change our context. And we get around people that really inspire us and motivate us and surround ourselves with success. Because when, we, when we're around different people who think differently, who, who live at a different pace, it makes us question ourselves. And it makes us ask us ourselves really tough questions. And it can be simple little things. I, I drag myself Saturday mornings to Equinox down the street, and I get my butt kicked by this guy, Michael, in kickboxing. And I look around, and I'm like, I can't do, I mean, I couldn't do half of it in the beginning, but I'm like, no, keep yourself here, get up to speed, like, do good, and a few weeks later, I can do everything that they do. But it's like putting yourself in the room with people who are better than you. And it applies in all different ways. It's even being here tonight. You know, you could be home watching the Kardashians. But you're here. Kardashians is on now? I don't know. <laughs> I gotta, we're going to wrap this up. Okay. I got to get home. Something, Chloe did something. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> Chloe did something. Um, so you, you're telling us some amazing stories of, of kind of the ups and downs of business. Um, what's made you kind of question the mission? Have you, have you ever, you know, have you... Have you run into those things that made you wonder whether you're on the right path? I think I've, I've been confident that the path was right, but my methodology wasn't there. Because mm. it didn't feel right that I had to struggle so much all the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, to have people all over the world reaching out regularly saying, wow, you changed my life. You made me think differently about things. And not be able to pay your rent. That makes you question yourself. Sure. And that happened for a long, long time. And it's still not easy, you know? Even when I build up a big team and I build up a big company, I'm still struggling to make payroll. I'm still struggling to get stuff done. But I started to realize, you know what? Being in business is a privilege. Being in America is a privilege. Being in a place like this is a privilege. And you just have to work through these things. And I'd rather know that I'm capable of overcoming challenges and picking myself up when I fall down than complain about all the things that are wrong. You know, I, I don't want to struggle. I don't want to be poor. I, I guess I want to make an impact in the world, but I also like nice restaurants and I like great food and I like traveling and I want to do stuff and I don't want anyone to tell me I can't do something. If I don't want to adopt a kid, if I want to buy a house, if I want to do anything, I want to go do that. I don't like to be told no. And, I, I, you know, I've always been a premature philanthropist. I want to kind mm. of flip that. I want to give, give at will. I don't want to have to give only my time. I want to be able to, to support other people. So there's so much I still want to do. And I know I'm capable of it. So I, I think understanding like, and fulfilling your potential is such a big thing to me. You know, I like seeing, I, you know, if I have any gift, it's kind of seeing people's potential. Um, but I also see mine. And I'm so nowhere near my own potential. So every day I push harder. To get there. So, you know, I, I think this, this question's been tackled a lot in, 
tons of books and articles, but um, but but how, in your experience, you know, how do you know then when to push harder, when to give up, or when right when to let something go yeah. and move on to the next thing, or stick with it? That's a good question. Um, there were definitely times when people said, give up, stop this entrepreneur thing. It's not good. It's not helping anymore. You're struggling so much. We kept going and made it through. Um, I think when, you're, when the challenges you have are impacting other people, mm. you have to look at it carefully. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, even your own personal health. That's a huge issue. You don't pay attention to it as much when you're in your teens and your 20s, but you start to think about it in your 40s. And when you start to do things that are destructive, like I'm sure many of us have, you start to look at things and say, I don't want to die over this. Yeah. I don't want cancer. I don't want a heart attack. I don't want my family to be worried about me. I don't want them paying medical bills of mine. Like being an entrepreneur and being a workaholic, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. And you know you can find yourself into bad, getting into really bad habits, and I think most of us we have to just watch ourselves and really you know I think keeping yourself surrounded with good people, they'll call you out when you're not sleeping, when you're not eating, when you're doing bad things. Like they'll call you out. That's why it's so important to have good people around you, because they'll pick you up and they'll carry you out. And we've all had that happen, thankfully, but. You know, just really having a baseline of where you want to be is important. And mm -hmm. being very clear about what you're willing to sacrifice for it and what you're not. And sometimes we do have to push farther than we think we're willing to. But I think we do need to know when to pull the ripcord to and get out. And I, I haven't been great at that. I mean, I've drilled things down to the last, very, last minute. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, in my experience... As an entrepreneur, that's a really that's one of the, the toughest things, yeah. right? Is because you don't know what's around the corner, yeah. and there's usually a surprise. Sometimes you you know you, you think you're gonna get foreclosed on, and then you have the your next day. yeah. You know, I have a I have a neighbor who's really good friend of mine, and I won't use her name, but you know, she was. Uh, you know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> but this is a great story. She was a freelance, you know designer and, and um, you know, produced brands and did great stuff and everything. And, you know, we were talking a few years ago and she was, she, you know, she was crying one day and she said, I'm, I'm so unhappy right now. I'm doing this thing freelance. I'm not getting like consistent business. I've gotten some great clients, but it's just, it's so much harder than I thought it would be. And I pulled to the side of the road and we're talking for like an hour or so. And two weeks later, she gets a phone call from a recruiter. She became the head of global marketing for UGG, a billion-dollar company, and spent five years running a billion-dollar brand. And that happened two weeks after this. Mm. And that happens all the time. So I don't think we ever really know. We, we don't know what's ahead. And oftentimes, we have, you know, if you think about when you push yourself to that edge, and then you don't think you can go further, and you do a little bit, and then something happens. Yeah. It makes you really question yourself when you're about to give up. Are you going to give up 30% before where it really hits? What about the odds? You know, you go and you play dice. You're going to, at some point, it's going to turn in your favor. It has to. Things can't stay bad the whole, your whole life. They have to turn. And if you're doing things to, like, build your credibility and build your exposure and get yourself out there, it's going to turn at some point. It has to. 
So tenacity and fortitude just means so much. It really does. And, and we all have our own risk tolerance. That's really important too. And that's really important in the topic of entrepreneurship. However risk tolerant you are, you've got to know that. Maybe, it, maybe you don't want to be the person who starts a business from scratch. And that's fine. You know, that's great. Be the person who's number two. Be the 20th employee or the 200th employee or the 2 millionth employee. Know yourself. Know what matters to you and know what you're willing to risk. And I think that when you get tuned in to what really does matter, you're willing to go a lot farther for it. You know, a business can be your baby, like your child. Mm -hmm. You'll kill for that thing. Not kill for it, but I mean, you'll, you'll kill yourself Maybe for if that's it. Your business. <laughs> if that's the business you're in. I mean, we're not here to judge. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. So, you know, you're talking about these themes and there's a narrative, you know, that we hear about young people that they're entitled, that they don't have ambition, that they don't work as hard as we worked coming up. And, you know, I think we could all think of examples of that if we want to, but there's probably a lot of uh, counterexamples yeah. as well. Um, what do you see? Why? Why is there a misconception? Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, my, I think old people always misunderstand young people and vice versa. It's pretty like, universal. Yeah, and you know, I could tell you, we could talk all night about why music sucks today, and you know, I can, that's a separate show, but uh, it's coming up on Rebel Radio. Um, so, no, but, but what are, what do you see with, with young people entering work today? What, what are the, you know, what are the narratives that we should be focused on? The areas that people um, are excelling or, or need to excel? I think the younger you are, the more you see possibilities. You see the world from a different filter. Um, you know, millennials are the first generation to be raised with technology. You see these kids, two years old, three years old, they're holding iPhones, they're holding iPads, they know what the icons mean. That didn't happen, a, 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 you know, one generation ago. Right. If you're an Xer, you're in your 40s, you had to adopt technology as everyone else before you. But I think you look at the world differently because you're exposed to it at such a higher level. It doesn't mean you have the context to understand what makes you employable. It doesn't mean you have the context to know how to present yourself properly. Soft skills are a disaster with young people today. How they present, how they project, how they exchange, how they think critically. That's a big problem in the workforce. But there's, there's so many ideas and so I think there's there's, so, there's a lot of potential. I think we need to direct a lot of this younger generation to solve problems and not just to try to find jobs. Mm. You know, that's one of the most beautiful quotes I've heard. Like, don't tell me what you want to do. Tell me what problem you want to solve in the world. And you can, mm -hmm. right? There's, what, a 17-year-old who, who figured out how to sweep up all the plastic bags in the ocean oh, wow. in a way that, like, the big oil companies couldn't figure out how to do? 17-year-old. I mean, so, you know, one of the reasons I love working with the UN, and, I mean, I just walked in the door for the first time three years ago, and my eyes were googly-eyed. It was, it was like walking into Willy Wonka's factory for me. But now they invite me back and I get to go. And one of the coolest things that I've learned about the UN even is, has any, how many people have heard of the UN Sustainable Development Goals? No. Okay, 
this is one of the greatest opportunities on the planet right this minute, okay? Let me give you this like a two minute on what's going on in the UN. The United Nations represents every country in the world, the best interests of these countries and of the world, and they try to keep everyone working together. Lots of criticisms about things too, but something very exciting happened about a year or so ago where they got all the leaders of all the countries in the world who come together at the UN you know, every year or so, and they said, we're gonna rally everyone around 17 of the most important problems we have as a planet. Water, education, poverty, disease, like the biggest things that are happening. And every single country ratified this set of 17 objectives called the Strate Strategic Development Goals. And what's happened since is that every country president has gone back to their countries and every global youth organization has gone out and said, here they are. It looks like, um, like a elements chart. What's the mm. scientific elements mm -hmm. chart? Periodic table. Periodic table, thank you. I went to I'm school. To remember. I was so bad with science. <laughs> it looks like a periodic table with all these bright colors and everything. And what's happening now is young people are being asked, what problems do you want to solve? And they're being directed to this periodic table, which is the strategic development goals, and told to go fix something on their own. And I just love that. Because that's putting the power of ingenuity, of invention, of entrepreneurship in all of our hands. Yeah. We don't have to wait for our governments. We don't have to wait for our employers. We don't have to wait for our communities to get behind things anymore. We don't have to wait for the media, the big media, to give us news. We have podcasts like this. But we all can go out and solve problems. And if you look around and you start paying attention, you'll see some of the stuff that people are doing, and it'll shake you. It'll make you think about your life and your decisions and the things you're doing very differently. Because it gets really exciting when you find something you love and you find something that you can fix and you can do something about. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I get to be, I mean, I'm, for me, I'm, I've gotten to live this. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to tackle big, crazy things and actually get stuff done. Nowhere near what I want to, but still a lot of stuff. Well, it's funny you picked that one because, you know, for me as an employer, right, I, I get um, probably my, my biggest uh, pet peeve is uh, when I'm, you know, talking to people who want to come work for us and I'm asking them, you know, and, and uh, essentially what they say is, you know, I'll do anything you want me to, right? And, you know, on the one hand, I appreciate that they're trying to show enthusiasm. On the other hand, it's like, now you're telling me to figure out what you're gonna be excited about because, you know, and, and what I'm really looking for is people who go, I'm really excited about this problem and I wanna give everything to solving that, yeah. right? And, and there's a risk that maybe I don't have that problem. Okay, that's fine. Then, then we shouldn't work together. That's actually a big issue. Um, a lot of young people are looking for other people to tell them what to do. Mm. Um, I think this, this is something we're trying to solve for very much about articulating who you are and what you want to do and how you fit in or add value to someone else's organization. That is so important. Figuring out how you can make someone money or save them money or solve problems that they have, that's what you have to articulate as talent walking into the workforce. Because employers, there are a lot of people who want to work for small businesses, want to do cool things. That's great. If you come in and say, I want to do everything or anything you want, you don't give anyone any information. 
And I notice one, that's one of the things. A lot of people, when they present themselves, they don't give any valuable information. If you learn how to say the right things, and I'm not saying manipulate situations, but if you learn to be really crystal clear about what you want and what you're interested in and how you think you fit in a particular situation, you'll get opportunities 10 times faster. All the time, actually. So that, that's a great tip. And um, we're almost going to be out of time because I'm going to get you on your plane. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to be responsible for you not going to Haiti. Thank you. Uh, and I want to leave a couple minutes for Q&A, so if you guys have questions, um, start thinking about what that might be. But give us a tip for employers oh, yeah. that are trying to hire young people and keep them engaged and maybe hang on to them. Uh, one of the big ones is, is tell people what objective you're trying to solve, but not how to do it. Uh, a lot of the thing, a lot of the, a lot of what turns young people off about traditional work is that they're being told to do things in a way that they feel like they can do things better in. They can be more efficient. Um, in accounting firms, you know, I have a friend who runs an accounting firm, and he says, you know, these young people they want to listen to their headphones while they're working, and they can't focus if they're listening to their headphones. I'm like, no, they actually can't focus if they don't listen right. to their headphones because they're used to five different forms of media at any given time. So they actually don't think properly if they don't have multiple forms. Or why do you need five screens? Because we all have ADD. We all absorb so much information. I mean, how many people go crazy if you're on a small screen? You need two. You need three now. It's, it's so it, the, the way that we process information is changing. And I think employers need to see that if young people can be given goals and achieve those goals, it doesn't necessarily matter how they get to them or give them space to get there in more creative ways. So it's less about the process and more about the objectives. And I think when they open themselves up to that, they start to see miraculous things happening in their organizations. Nice, awesome. All right, before we wrap up, I have a little um, lightning round I like to do with all my nice. guests. Uh, so we'll try to breeze through these. Uh, tell us one thing you know for sure. That people are good in the world. What's something you used to believe and then decided you had been wrong? That I could be a millionaire by the time I was 20. <laughs> 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 uh, what talent have you always wished you'd had more of? Financial management. Mm. Yeah, me too. Um, what's one goal you'd still like to accomplish? I'm sure you have many. I, this is a big one. Um, I want to create resources that anyone in the world can access. I don't like the idea that anyone questions their own potential. And I want to create stuff that anyone can reach out to and access. Mm. Cool. It's a big one. Uh, what other career would you choose if you knew you couldn't fail? <laughs> I'd run the Department of Education. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, okay. That scares the hell out of me otherwise. <laughs> what do you collect? Do you collect anything besides miles? Photos. Digital photos. I mm. crash every computer I have because I take tens of thousands of photos a year. 
Do you look back at them? I do. Yeah, I, I have do. that problem. I never. Well, also Facebook will kick yeah. back. I, That's I'm cool. amazed at that on a daily basis now. It's yeah. like, oh, six years ago you were doing this. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. What's the last great book you read? Oh. Um, actually, there's one about relationships. <laughs> this isn't probably good for uh, this. Uh, it was about, it was called The Truth. Okay. And it was oh, like Neil Strauss. Neil Strauss. It was Love like the dirty secrets of relationships and the stuff they don't tell you as women. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, we love Neil Strauss. No, but they That's had a really good information about psych about human psychology and how you were raised and the stuff that yeah. formed you. Yeah. That was my favorite part. That's cool. Okay, what movie do you think you've seen the most? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. All right. And uh, favorite DJ or musician? Wow. Um, I'm loving Indiari. I think she's super cool. Nice. And I love that she has this great song about escaping. And I really resonate with that. Cool. About just getting out and going places and doing stuff. Great. Uh, let's go to our audience. How do we want, do we want to send a mic out there? How do we want to do it? Okay, you call it out, and I will, I will repeat it for the cameras. Is that what we're doing? What? Okay, any questions for Jennifer? Hi, I'm Allison. Hi, you never talked, I was kind of surprised when you were talking about the struggles you faced as a young person as, and being taken seriously. You never mentioned anything about being a woman and it's surprising to me that you haven't. Have you faced challenges? Have you seen in the work world like I have yeah. that it makes a big difference? Yeah, it does make a big, big difference. It does. Um, I get treated differently depending on how well I put myself together. Um, I get... Uh, underestimated all the time. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be reading a book in a resort somewhere and some lawyer will walk up to me and say, oh, you're reading Harry Potter? And I'm like, no, um, uh, War of Nations. People underestimate me constantly. I also, you know, and I'm, candidly, I get a lot of sexual advances that make me feel objectified. Um, another challenge of being in Los Angeles. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm sure a lot of women have dealt with this. Um, I don't feel like I'm seen a lot, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm seen more by strangers, people like you guys, than often by people in my immediate circle sometimes. Um, also, another thing is even, uh, it's hard for people to reconcile the stuff that I do in relationships even. I, I find that I have to really tone myself down in talking about a lot of my life, often, especially in Los Angeles, because people don't really know what to do with someone who goes out and does a lot of stuff sometimes. So what do we do about that? I think, I think it goes back to surrounding yourself with great people. Part of why I travel is because I get to connect with people who are really interesting around the world. I, I use social media to stay connected to people who get me, who I can connect with. Um, I can escape when I need to. Sometimes I need that stimulation that I just can't find at home. 
but I think it's important that we sculpt, actively sculpt our own environment, that we edit people out of our lives who don't belong and don't treat us properly. And we make a very concerted effort to bring the right people in and create a community for ourselves. I think that's super important because I've been torn down like everyone else and felt like, you know, nothing. You know, five years ago, I was, I was like a shell of a human being emotionally. It took me a year to re recoup from, you know, everything that fell apart. But I don't want to be like that anymore. And I have a team of people around me. I have an army of friends who are like, we're never letting you go down again. And I've learned, you know, but it's, it's, it's a challenge every day. It is. And I, I'm sorry I didn't bring that up. No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But thank you for mentioning it. For bringing it, it up. That was like five things. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Um, Hi. So earlier you were talking about how uh, when you were doing like the sexy stuff, the cool things yeah. that you wanted to do um, and that didn't really make you any money yeah. and you made all your money in the non-sexy yep. mundane kind of stuff. Um, and I can relate to that, you know, yeah. uh, I'm a content creator, so it's very easy for me to let my creativity run wild and yeah. do all the cool, crazy things. But um, how do you balance the time and effort allocation between, you know, figuring out how to make some money and continuing what you want to do and what you're meant to do? I, I think it's kind of like, it's a great, I mean, it's an amazing question. Um, it's almost like fusion cuisine. You've got to find a way, and all of us have our own formula that we've got to find about how to do what you love and make money at the same time. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that has a lot to do with how we package things, present things. Um, like, I get to work with big companies now, and I say, you know what? I have an ulterior motive to working with you. They look at me crazy. And I said, I'm going to help as many young people as humanly possible as we do this campaign. Is that okay with you? And they look at me, and they're like, uh, oh, okay. And I shove things into everything that I do that make an impact. And they let me do it to an extent. And sometimes even when they don't let me do it, I kind of do it anyway. And it works a lot. But it's like you, you have to find ways to make it work on a daily basis and find that balance. And sometimes we just have to do stuff just to pay the bills, for sure. But it's our job to make sure we're balancing it enough that we're, our, our soul is being fed and that we find ways to make money doing the stuff we love to do. And sometimes that means inventing a new career, inventing a new job, finding a new way to do things. And it happens all the time, so why can't we do it, right? And it, it, it might take a few years to do. But if you stay focused, you'll learn how to make that happen. It took me 20 years, but it's working now. And I got another 20, 30 years to enjoy it. Yeah, I was, I was just going to add to that, you know, I'm always annoyed with the, um, you know, the tech startups that build these huge businesses and don't make any money, right? And, it, and there's this business model out there that, like, we'll figure that out along the way. And, you know, that kind of gets under my skin. But I think, you know, meanwhile, that's been some of the biggest companies now in the world sort of started out that way and have figured it out. Thousands or millions of others haven't figured it out, and so there's that. But, but you know, but then when we talk about people in your individual career... Like, everyone's really afraid to take that approach. And obviously, it's different. You've got to pay rent. But, but, like, you know, we tend to have this expectation for ourselves 
that we're going to do the thing on day one and start making money on day one, and it's all going to work together. And so, you know, maybe we need to learn from the, the startup guys a little bit. One other thing, there was a brilliant concept that a guy named Robin Al Robert Allen came up with a couple years ago called multiple streams of income. We all need multiple streams of income. We can't rely on a job. We can't rely on retirement. We can't rely on our family. We have to have multiple ways we make money. And the more solid of a foundation we can have, if we can actually save something for a rainy day, which most of us don't, but I mean, if we can build more momentum. But I think, you know, we should always be looking for opportunity and always be doing stuff because we're, we don't know what's going to hit. I, I had no, no idea a year ago that the thing that one thing we were working on that we almost stopped three times would become the biggest revenue stream of my life. I had no idea. We're built, I mean, this sounds so not sexy. We did a program for Bloomberg. They asked us, you know, they put Business Week in schools and they use it as supplemental reading. And they said, can you build us a career planning like website? Sure, we built it. The school said, this is amazing. Can you build us curriculum for schools? Sure. And then they said, can you serve thousands of students and make it feel like an intimate experience? And we said, well, you know, we've got to do an online course or something and I'm going to teach it because I know what to tell them, but I don't know that the teacher knows what to tell them. And they said, okay, try it. And we tried it, and now we have an online course called Exploring Your Potential going into hundreds of schools around the world to teach career planning. And trust me, I have other things I want to be doing too, but my whole team looked me in the eye and said, you do nothing other than write until November 1st. And that is, that is literally going to set the course of your entire life right now. So it's the stuff that comes out of nowhere. It's usually not the stuff you plan on making money that makes money. It's the stuff that you don't expect along the way that comes out of the blue that becomes the opportunity. And the key is to just be open enough to be looking and see that. And again, I didn't see it. Someone else in my team saw it. Other people saw it before I did. But luckily it all came together. And I, I think that's true for all of us. You don't know what you're gonna make money on. Oftentimes the people who make the most amount of money, it's not on the, their big thing. Nellie Galan, who was CEO of uh, Telemundo, president of Telemundo, she produced 700 telenovelas for NBC. She has never made more money on anything other than, more than her real estate. She bought two or three homes. She bought some buildings. It's real estate that made her more money than being on The Apprentice, than traveling around the world, than being on the board of Coca-Cola, than being a brand, than being the most well-recognized female Latino in, Latina in America. None of that made her more money than the real estate investments she made. So I, I, I just think we have to stay open. And, and you just don't know where things are going to lead, but you got to keep going and stick with things because they don't happen overnight. I think we have time for one more question. Yeah, it's not so much a question. I just wanted to know if you were curious with Stacey Ferraria uh, and her startup Forge. I'm actually not familiar. I apologize. You would love it. It's, she's taking the on-demand scheduling model that Uber and Lyft use, really? but taking it with restaurants and retail stores, like businesses. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. I want to check that out. Are they local? Uh, she's okay. in New York. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. You know, I'll just say one other thing. So I'm at a conference in San Francisco last week. And I got to, you get to meet the most amazing people sometimes, right? You have no idea who you're sitting next to, even right now. 
I'm across the cheese plate from this guy and I make some comment about something. I see that it's Boston Consulting Group on his badge and I'm like, I really want to talk to him. That's one of the most like prestigious consulting firms in the world. Turns out to be the head of social innovation. This is like McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group. We wound up having a two hour conversation. And one of the funniest things he said is that being in rooms like this about social entrepreneurship, it's so funny. Like there's every combination of everything happening. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm from Afghanistan and I take tennis balls and I turn it into energy and I distribute it in Asia. And he's like, and I make cars and we run it out of rubber and Chardonnay and, <laughs> and we export to Korea. And he just started joking about all the weird combinations of stuff people were doing. And we just laughed so hard about this because it's actually true. And it just underscores everything that we're talking about about you can mishmash anything together, piecemeal your career together, go try a bunch of stuff, and you have no idea where you're going to end up or where you're going to make your money. But you know what? Life is so much more interesting when you do it that way. And you follow your heart. You follow your passion. Surround yourself with amazing, inspiring people. You go out and do stuff like this instead of sit home with Netflix. Listen Rebel to Radio and chill. Rebel Radio. <laughs> go drive your Honda home and download Rebel Radio. That's right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This is amazing. You've blessed us with your wisdom. You're so sweet. Um, and we're going to get you out of here. Uh, you can follow Jennifer, uh, YSN.com. Yep. Check out ExploreYourPotential.com. I know it's for business school students, yep. but it's really interesting. Well, it, actually, we're going to do a consumer version in January, so it'll be available everywhere. And but. where do people find you on social? Um, Facebook. I'm really, I stay on Facebook. Uh, I'm YSN Jen on Twitter. And I'm also on LinkedIn, too. Cool. But, yeah. Nice. Um, the hashtag for this event is grads to the grind 2016. That's number two. And I want you to use that because Honda Financial Services has a great giveaway for us tonight. Post a photo from tonight's event on Instagram using the hashtag grads to the grind 2016. You can win a free mentoring session with Jennifer. Uh, an Apple Watch, and signed copies of Jennifer's New York Times best-selling book, Secrets of the Young and Successful. Good luck. We'll announce the winner uh, probably around 9.30, 9.45. Uh, in the meantime, we have about 45 minutes left in this room with um, food and drinks. And thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, you guys being here is a validation of all this work. So I love being in events like this, and I, I'm really grateful for all of you showing up. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling something. Okay, that was Jennifer Cushell, our first live event ever. Hopefully, we'll do more of those. Subscribe to Rebel Radio on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net or Facebook to learn more about upcoming live events. We may not ever do another one, but who knows, we might. Uh, leave us a comment and come back next week. Peace.